Hey there, thanks for coming along today. This one's going to be shorter than normal, um, but that doesn't actually mean that you'll have less to think about at the end of it. You'll probably have more to think about at the end of it, if I'm honest. So where to start? Uh, There are things that we like and things that we don't, right? Everybody's like this. There are things that we aspire to and things that we avoid. And sometimes we don't even know why. And this isn't procrastination. We're not talking about procrastination today because this avoidance can come from the hardest grafters of them all, but they avoid taking the step that will get them across the threshold to the next level of whatever it is that they want to do. So why is that? And we've all seen it, right? That person, maybe ourselves, who is clearly very capable, but for some reason doesn't step into the thing that they can be. And it's frustrating for pretty much everyone watching it. They're capable of so much more. Why don't they just do the thing? What are they afraid of? We've all thought that about someone, right? And it's frustrating for the person themselves. They know that there's more in there. They, they feel like they're wasting something, that they're not making the progress that they should. So let's take an example. Let's look at leadership. Now, leadership is something that you're going to need to get your head around if you plan to work with others to help create the vision that you have for your business. Otherwise, you are stuck in solopreneursville. And I I recently saw a description of being a solopreneur, aka self-employed, as owning your job. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to this. But generally speaking, if it's just you doing all the things, then you are very much limiting the progress you can make because there are only so many hours in a day, right? But working with a team is something I see massive kickback against in my client work, which got me curious. It's a pretty common way of thinking and it tracks back to a whole bundle of thoughts. And to be honest, they're not the most effective perspectives. For instance, you'll have the type of person who wants full control and taking on a team involves letting go of that. So we'd have to ask questions around why trusting someone else to do a piece of work is difficult. Or another question in this area might be about perfectionism. Either way, both of those are pretty rigid forms of thinking. But there's something else that comes up too, and quite often this goes below the radar for a lot of the time. And it's what we've seen modelled as leadership in our own lives. And this, as always, can go right back to childhood. So we, we need to start looking at the leaders that we've known in our lifetimes, whether that's in family or social settings, as well as in workplaces. If the leadership was a top-down power structure, if maybe there was use of fear or coercion or undermining tactics to get results, then we probably won't have a very good view of what leadership can be. It may have been a source of strife or arguments or hurt or disappointment. And the leadership could maybe have been something that was distant and uninterested in us and our progress. There's an article from Psychology Today linked in the notes that talks about how we mimic the behaviour that's shown to us. But in my experience, this can also go the other way. So if we dislike the style of leadership, that may make us lean away from it, you know, try to be the opposite of it, i.e. not the leader. So do we avoid the role for fear of becoming the thing that we dislike or had a bad experience of? I think we do in many instances. So if you found yourself avoiding the idea of being a leader, for instance, it may well be because you don't want the responsibility. You might be comfortable in your current role or position and becoming a leader sounds like more hassle than it's worth, right? But if you have a vision or a dream for this brainchild, this business baby that you've been nurturing and you know that you can't do it alone, but you still don't want to be in charge of other people, what's going on? 
It's an interesting turn of phrase, right? (laughs) Being in charge. And if you're the eldest kid in your family, you were probably left in charge quite a bit. Make sure that the dog doesn't get covered in peanut butter and the kitchen isn't flooded again, right? And that's a kind of chaotic version of leadership. It's, It's trying to make sure that everyone is doing what they should be doing and you're the unwitting zookeeper. So if you've got an experience buried somewhere in your unconscious mind about why leadership is not something that you enjoy or want to grow as a skill, then that's definitely going to limit certain things for you. And if you want to get past it, then some work and digging will be required. But the good news is that if it's a belief, this view of leadership that prevents us from taking it on, then we can change it. And we can look at different models of leadership because leadership can be very different to what we've experienced so far. And this is the thing. If we have any curiosity about what's possible, then it's a good idea to look at what leadership can be beyond what we've already experienced. There are a couple of really great books um, that I would strongly recommend on this topic, actually. And whether you are a leader already or you don't think of yourself as one yet, <laughs> then these books offer such perspective on what can be achieved with good leadership that I really, really recommend that you get your hands on them. I'll put all the details in the notes. Now, I'm going to change tax slightly and let you in on one of my little business quirks. I've had a problem with the concept of goals for a long, long time. Now, it might be that they're so official or maybe it's that they're so predetermined. Or maybe it's because I was rubbish at sports. Yeah, just hear me out for a second. So I hated team sports like football and hurling growing up. Now, anyone who doesn't know what hurling is, I will put a link to a video because it's, it's a really awesome sport. It just wasn't something that I felt comfortable with or good at or enjoyed or wanted to be involved with even. And it occurs to me that the emphasis on scoring goals in this environment, which to be fair was not an awful lot unlike the eldest being left in in charge above. You know, it was a field full of screaming kids who didn't really fully understand what was going on or how to play the game properly. And it's probably left me with a bit of a bad taste because (laughs) as well as not enjoying it, I definitely wasn't scoring any goals. So that's why I traded in my goals. Now, this is down to where words matter and they matter to us in very different and personal ways. I'm particularly weird about words. And to give you an example, the word egg is one that I really dislike. I haven't put my finger on why yet, but as soon as I find out, I will let you know. But that's not really one that matters as much as goals or leadership. So if you were like me and you were the kid who didn't score goals, then I hope you're able to compartmentalize the words and meanings better than I was able to. But there's always a workaround, right? Finding solutions to problems is the work of the entrepreneur. And my strategy in this instance is to find an alternative to the word goal that I like better and that I feel more open to, something I will enjoy the process of achieving. And for me, it's opportunity. I love opportunity. I love possibility even more. But finding the right word here is important for me. Possibility has too much space around it. It's a little bit lacking in definition. But today, for example, I have the opportunity to connect with another great podcast guest, And that feels better to me than having a goal of meeting another great podcast guest. And you may well be listening to this thinking, when did this become the crazy half hour? But it's actually not so much the, um, the words themselves. It's the meanings that those words evoke for us. It's the process 
of association that we have between words and emotions and words and the feelings that we then take into our activities. Now, so I'm going to just go through the whole thing about opportunity and why that works for me. So one of my habits every evening, my routine, if you like, is to identify the three BO on the horizon for the next day. Those are my three big opportunities. What are the three things that will move me closer to where I want to be and how can I best take advantage of them? And you might well say, well, a goal is a defined outcome so I can measure it and I like that. How will I know what I'm doing if I can't measure it? Yep, I I agree. But in my rather right hemisphere view of the world, opportunity is a happy medium between the structure and limitations of goals and the nebulous, undefined possibility. And it can be measured. So there is a way to find a balance. It's not an either or thing when I have opportunities. I can actually use the three big opportunities to track myself and my efforts as well. When I review the day, I can check in on how much I actually did to make the most of those opportunities. And when you're really honest with yourself, then this becomes quite a telling exercise. So if you want to give it a try, it is quite simple. I'll link a PDF to download and you can work away and see how you like it. So like me and my preference for opportunities over goals, it's about figuring out if there are areas of your life or business that are not being their most effective because you're trying to avoid being something that you've seen before and don't want to repeat. It might not be leadership. It might be that you do want to be seen as productive, so you totally slog every day and forget how to let yourself take downtime, which is a very bad strategy for your long-term effectiveness, by the way. Um, It might crop up in your handling of money. So if that sounds like you, then check out the episode with Letitia Johnson if you want to hear more about how that can get in the way. It might even crop up in the way you eat or exercise. We're all trying to be a particular way and avoid being something else. For some of us, that's trying to be free of constraints and limits. And for others, it's trying to ensure that they have clearly defined processes, rules and structure. And if we go too far to either of those things, then we're unlikely to fulfill our potential either. We all know that one person who seems totally out of control and the other person who is way too tightly wound. So neither of those things is exactly where we want to be. So I guess the big question for today, the one that all of this boils down to is, what do you not want to be? Who do you not want to be? Who are you trying to be? And what does that look like? What does it feel like? What does being that person mean to you? I love these conversations and questions so much. We tackle them in one form or another at pretty much every single session of our group readings. And of course, in individual client sessions as well, they form a lot of that. But watching them unfold for people is an absolute privilege. So I'm going to leave them with you for today. Who do you not want to be? Let me know how that settles for you. The links are in the show notes as always, so feel free to reach out. And hey, you know, I do believe I got through an entire episode without using the word. Hmm, let's see what happens next time. Okay, take care until then, and I will see you soon.